same room, singing God's praises, getting to see your guys' faces. So as we continue in worship, let's just reflect on what a blessing that is to worship corporately and how important that is.
they're singing this morning as we focus more on children's ministry.
we have Sophia. Um, Natalie has been working with the kids a little passage, a memory passage they, they want to say for you. a few questions. Um, can you tell me how many books of the Bible there are? 66. Nice. How many books of the Bible are there, Sophia? 66. <laughs> uh, let's see. What's the very first book of the Bible? 66. <laughs> What's the very first book of the Bible called? Do you remember? Bible. <laughs> Genesis 131. <laughs> okay, let's see. And then what is God's word called? Sophia, do you know what God's word is called? Sophia, do you know what God's word is called? Bible. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Christine. Christine has been working with the preschool kids for the last couple of months, so thank you. You can come, you can actually sit down right here if you want. When I first started serving with children's ministry, I wanted to leave a legacy. Um, with the children's ministry, and that was that the kids would know their Bible, they would know how to find scripture. I wanted them to be able to enunciate the books of the Bible, because those are hard names, and even memorize them. And I also would like to see a playground for them, because th these kids matter. So we're working on that. So before I call the kids up, I'm going to honor three of our girls that are graduating from fifth grade. Can you please come up, girls, all three? Um, we have two of them are they're a set of twins. This is Emily Merchant and her sister's Ariel. And this is Jaden. You can come stand over here. And these ladies are graduating from fifth grade. Give them a hand. They are young ladies that have come to church pretty much every Sunday before COVID. When their parents are working, they call me for a ride. They um, understand the importance of serving. They, they are amazing. I'm going to miss them. But I know that they're going to be in good hands with Gabe. <laughs> they're going to help Gabe really well. So the rest of the kids, as you come up, as they come up and get to where they know they need to be, kids, come on. 
I want to thank the church, all of you, for your support in me uh, serving these last four years. I know that even if you didn't have a direct, a direct um, impact with children's ministry, that you were praying in the, in the behind the scenes. So I know that this church is made up of prayer warriors, so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support. Give me a second. Are you all lined up? Okay, so Theo wasn't here. He could be next to. Before I have them recite their books of the Bible, I want to honor our leaders. Half of them are not here. Ted, there's Ted. He should be over here with Joe, Terry, and the rest of our leaders. And who, who else is? Lana's not here, but she'll be coming. Because these leaders are the hands and feet of children's ministry. They, are, they have been an amazing example of Christ. What I love best about these leaders is that whenever we have this program that we think is structured and maybe it's an off day because the kids are off due to weather or a schedule change, or maybe I have an off day, or perhaps the Holy Spirit takes us off another path, these leaders just know how to navigate through all that and just make it work all because of they want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So these leaders know how to serve and I am so proud that they helped support me the last four years. So thank you leaders. Thank you everybody. Terry and um, everybody else. So yeah. All right. Let's get started. I'm going to sit here guys. Take your time. I guess I should be sitting here because I promised you guys I'd be in front of you. Right here is fine. Um, take your time. Take a deep breath. We're not racing. And you're just going to enjoy what we have learned. You guys have learned not only the, the books of the Bible, but you've learned the, the context behind it. Who wrote the Bible? Who wrote that particular book? Um, what it was about. It's so impressive, this curriculum. And I'm thankful that you guys were dedicated to do this. So are you ready?
Okay, have a seat. Have a seat. Okay, so have a seat. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and um, raise your hand if you know it. So the first question I have is, what is the first book in the Bible? Noel. Okay, I should do this. Genesis. Raise your hand if you know the last book of the Bible. Revelations. Okay. I say let's hold our pauses because I'm going to ask a couple of questions and um, our time is limited. But thank you so much. Let me raise your hand. Thank you guys for your support. Raise your hand if you know the books of, of poetry. Emily. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Good job. <laughs> Raise your hand if you know the minor, no, the, the 12 books of the minor prophet. I'll ask that. 12 books of minor prophet. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zechariah, Zechariah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Good job. Raise your hand if you know the minor prophets. The minor prophets. Okay, raise your hand if you know the, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Awesome. So Paul wrote, he wrote books, he wrote letters to churches. We're not talking about the books that he wrote to uh, people in general, but to the churches. Does anybody know? The churches, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Yeah. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, and then I forgot after. Okay. Romans, first and second Corinthians, Galatians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, how about the five books with the law? Starts with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Awesome. Okay, one last one. There was books that were written by other leaders. Other, not by Paul, just other leaders. It was, we learned that towards the end, the last weeks. Anybody else who hasn't answered? I'll give you a hint. Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, I mean, first and second Peter, first, second, third John, 
Jude Revelations. Awesome. All right, I think we're, we are good. We are good. Give them a hand. Thank you. As I'm standing up here, I'd like to thank you guys. Did I thank you guys? That was earlier. The church, um, thank you for your prayers, your support, and everything. But most importantly, I want to honor Ron and Marsha. Will you please come up? Um, Ron and Marsha are an, a very dynamic couple that I've been blessed with. They supported me tremendously in the last four years. Marsha blows my mind on how she can just love the Lord. She can keep her humor, keep her beauty, <laughs> and be and dress her husband. <laughs> she does. <laughs> She's amazing. How she she is been a great friend and I and she can be herself and there's not many women who can be authentic and transparent and and Marsha is one of those that I just admire thank you Marsha and Ron Ron have you ever wondered why God gave you four daughters it was <laughs> to prepare you to deal yeah. with me <laughs> yeah that's right he did an incredible <laughs> job at encouraging me when I would get discouraged he was right behind me on all my ideas and um he supported me i i can't say it any other way but i could call them in a heartbeat and they'd answer whether they were in town or not so i just i i want you to know ron that you have supported me you're my spiritual father i've never had this kind of support here on earth from a, a father so you are you you are one of those for me so thank you and and you supported me 100%, you believed in me, and you never doubted me. So thank you both for all that you've done. And then my top three leaders that I want, lastly, I'm almost done, guys, but three important top three leaders that started serving at a very early age a lot of times they wanted to serve, they chose to serve, and a lot of times they didn't have a choice. Um, Catalina, Emma, and Dottie, will you come up? Where's, well, Dottie's already here. Dot I am extremely thankful for all the behind the scenes that they did. Um, the late nights, decorations, the serving ones, sometimes they didn't want to. And um, I got, Carolina, a little gift that symbolizes a little, uh, she's always been my angel. She's has challenged me from, she's my oldest, and she's, from the day that she was born, has challenged me to be better for Christ. And when she became a teenager, the, the challenge got more. <laughs> but, but what I appreci appreciate about her is that she has, She's challenged Mario and I to be better in our marriage, to be better in our family, um, to be healthier mentally, physically, and, and, and I don't think she would admit, but her dad looks great, and it's because of her, it's, it, she speaks truth, and she's not afraid to speak the truth, and so I honor her for that. Um, you're an angel, Alina, and I'd 
and I want to tell the church that next week she's going to Young Life Camp to serve for nearly a whole month, so if you could please keep her in prayer for that. I'm so proud of her, and I know that the Lord has amazing plans, and thank you for all the behind the scenes for mom and dad doing um, ministry work, and you're a part of why the changes are happening, and, and God has amazing things for us, Carolina, so I'm excited. And then I have Emma, who's who I'm giving a gift that symbolizes, it's her middle name, Faith, but she's um, she's a rock. She brings peace. She has the ability to put her selfish desi desires aside in the midst of if we have to, like, j change gears because we're moving on to something, she can bring peace to the room and put, put what, what is going on aside. Not a lot of people can do that. I can't. But she brings peace, and that's what I think about you, Emma. She does tell me, yes, Mom, I'll help you serve, but I want you to know I don't want kids. <laughs> so I hope I'm not to blame if she doesn't give me grandchildren, but I think she will. <laughs> and then Dario, he, he is, um, he's been along for the ride. He's benefited from a lot of fun things that children's ministry's done. But he's also had to share, share me with a hundred other kids in town, and he understands the, the reason for that. And I just have to honor and thank my kids because their dedication and their sacrifice for me and Mario has been huge. And, and I want you to know that you have been a part of that as well. So thank you, kids. I love you. And uh, we could give them a hand. Okay. Is Kim Castleberry here by chance? I guess not, right? Okay. So I... I'm going to introduce you to our new children's ministry leader, Jessica Umana. I'm so excited for her. Her energy, her enthusiasm is very contagious. It is exciting. It's a reminder of me in my first year when I started working, just a ton of ideas and just wanted to hit the ground running. And Jessica has amazing things that are going to happen for children's ministry, and I would challenge you guys to come around her, to support her, to, if you've never served in children's ministry, now is the time God is doing a new thing, and you will be blessed. So please, please put yourself in that, that place where you are not comfortable, because God, that is where God blesses you. So thank you guys for all your support, and I'm excited for Jessica. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank Deborah again and honor Deborah for her years of service. It has been amazing for these kids. She's made such an impact on the lives of the children and families here in Incline Village. And her dedication as a parent, these kids love her with all their heart, and I know she loves them too. So thank you again, Deborah. You've done an amazing service to this community. Um, I just wanted to introduce myself to you guys and share my excitement to serve in children's ministry alongside you as the church. This pandemic, as you know, has shaken many of us to our core, including our children. Our children have been affected by this. And in the state of the world as it is now, our children are going to face unprecedented challenges, challenges that you and I didn't have to face. There are new challenges, and these kids deserve a ministry that will equip them with the faith foundation and the tools that they need to grow an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ 
and to live out their purpose through him. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen? amen. So this ministry will not reach its full potential without the church surrounding these children. All ages, we need this church to pour faith into these kids to give them the tools that they need to grow in faith in this world as it is now. This ministry will also not reach its full potential without constant prayer. So please pray for this ministry. And if you are looking to live out your purpose, serving the kingdom, I would love to help point you in the right direction and see where you can use your spiritual gifts to serve, whether it be children's ministry or any other ministry of this church. With that said, I want to give you guys a blueprint of what we have planned for these kids for the summer. These kids' lives have been put on pause for over a year, and so we are going to press play in a big way this summer so that they can have connection, socialization, and fun. So first, we are planning to revamp Sundays and do a full-blown children's church. Think check-in tables, kid-centered worship, we're going to do big group faith messages, fun games, small group talks. That's going to be really exciting. The next thing we have planned that I'm super excited about is our soccer camp. So Deborah had run the soccer camp a couple years back, and it was so successful. A team of international soccer coaches who are faith-based come in, and they pour faith into our children while they are learning soccer skills and cultivating friendships. So I'm really excited about this. This camp will be July 19th through July 23rd. This is the cheapest camp that Incline Village has to offer. And we are also looking to sponsor at least 10 children to go to this camp for free. The next thing we have is a VBS. We want to plan a vacation Bible school that's free, that's inside these church walls to serve the children in this church and to invite other children in this community to come in. Again, this is going to be free, so there's no limit on who can participate in this program. And it also will reach our younger age group of children as well. Last but not least, um, if you guys don't know what the MOPS ministry is, it is a ministry serving the moms of preschoolers and younger. We started this ministry here a couple years ago and it was so successful and we served the moms in this community as well as their babies and their preschoolers. So we are planning some summer events and you will hear more about these as we nail down dates and times and then a full kickoff of this ministry will happen in the fall. And that is what I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening and I'm excited to serve alongside each and every one of you, and I would love to meet you if I haven't yet. So please come introduce yourself to me, and let's serve the children in our church together. Thank you. Okay, kids, all you can go to your fun place. Thank you. Well, welcome everybody. I'm Ron, uh, one of the elders here, and uh, I love the opportunity to get up and preach. Uh, 
I can, it, it can build up over a couple of months, so I can save a lot of stuff. It's like kind of putting heat under a sealed container, and I'm ready to blow. So I got some really cool stuff today. Uh, and, uh, you know, Deborah had mentioned, uh, you know, my wife dresses me. She does. <laughs> Still, always has. You know, I was in the fire service. I wore a uniform. Everything was blue, so it was easy. Uh, but I don't have any sense of fashion. So it, it got so bad once I went on a week trip, and I opened my suitcase, and my shirts were ping, pinned to my pants. They were like girl animals. I mean, because I have no idea. So today I'm talking about hope, and, and hope is what we all need. And, and, and of course, I, I've got to start out with the fire story because it, 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 it tells a principle here. And there's one word you never want to hear in the fire service, and it's rekindle. Rekindle means you went and put a fire out, but you didn't really put it out. You went back to the station, then all of a sudden an alarm goes off an hour later, and you see the same address. Now, that doesn't happen very often. In my 27 years, it happened once to one officer when I was new in the fire department, and uh, it was pretty brutal on him because uh, no one ever let him forget it the rest of his career. That's how you get nicknames in the fire service. You do something like that, your name is rekindled the rest of your life. And uh, anyway, the, the whole point is, it started out with just a little dryer fire. He put it out, you know, it was full assignment. He had all the engines and trucks, and he put it out. He returned everybody, and everyone went back to bed. Well, an hour later, the same address comes in, but now it's a second alarm. You've got wa fire going up the walls and in the, in the attic, and, and it was horrible. And you're thinking, that's not good. He did a really good job, but he didn't finish the job. And, uh, and unfortunately, those people paid for it. Their house was destroyed. It was, it was, it, you, you just never want to see that. But it, it's a good illustration of hope. Because our hope starts things. It doesn't end things. And sometimes we act like hope is the end point. Well, I have hope in Christ, so I can just sit here and watch him do his thing. No, that's, that's, that's how we start. And if we don't end it, we don't learn. Our faith doesn't grow. So that's what this is about, is how do we complete our hope in our actions? So let me read to you uh, Romans 8, 22 to 27. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I, I pray that this message would be from you. Lord, that the principles that you're trying to teach us in this, that we would understand it and we would live it. It would allow it to sink, the truth to sink into our hearts and change us. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. So hope eternal. We find that in the first few verses. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. Doesn't it explain our world today? And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope for those who hope. For who hopes for what he has already seen? Whole creation groans. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I feel like I'm, I'm living in a bad movie. It, the plot doesn't make sense. Right seems to be wrong. It's just so bizarre. And we could focus on that, the injustice. Man's answers to our world, which is really causing the chaos. And, and it really seems insurmountable. Yes, all of creation groans. We are living in a fallen world. We all know that. We all feel that. And then within ourselves, we groan. And we should. We should see the world as fallen because it is. We feel the discouragement of injustice. Yet God tells us that that's not what our mind should be on. God gives us that rudder to move in the right direction, that, that wind that empowers us. And that's what we have to be looking at. Um, 40th anniversary, Marcia too, that was her 40th. Um, we decided we wanted to go on a sailing trip. You know, I've done a little sailing in the Bay Area, but not much. I just do what I'm told, and I don't, I don't know all the you know, yard arm from a mainsail, from all that stuff. But, you know, just tell me, grab that rope and let it go. I can do that. So anyway, um, decided that we wanted to go down to the, the Bahamas. And so for, we went on a five-day or four-day trip with a friend of mine that he goes, oh, I'm a captain. And we all rent a boat and then all, we'll, we'll sail around. And it sounded like a great adventure. And it, and it really was. It was fun. I learned a lot. But we're about three days into it, and all of a sudden the radio goes off and says, hey, there's a hurricane coming in. You need to get back to base. So I'm going, uh-oh, well, what do we do now? And the, the wind is picking up, and the waves aren't, it's not little smooth waves anymore. And I'm thinking, okay, well, um, my friend that I was with, he was excited. He's thinking, oh, man, this is going to be great. And, you know, the sailboat's going way over to, what do they call it, the gunnels, whatever, the edge. It was way over there. And I was too busy to be scared because, you know, he was just, I was the crew. So he just told me what to do. And I was totally out of my element. But it, at least I was busy. Now, Marsha, she didn't take it so well. She, <laughs> she was just a little, little upset. But... At that point, my hope is in my friend 
that he knows what he's doing because I have no clue when to be scared. You know, is this normal? Is this good? I mean, the waves look pretty big for me when, you know, things disappear. But, I, you know, he looks like he's having fun, so I might as well have fun too. So we made it, and everything was fine. But I tell you, that was putting everything on one person. And if he was wrong, my hope was in the wrong place. And, and it, we have a choice. We can look at the waves. We can look at the wind and say, oh, this is, this is horrible. And what does that do? That just creates anxiety. It just creates fear. And, and, then, and, then, and then we get numb. And then we get, uh, uh, we don't know what to do. Or when things look bad, you say it. You actually do something. You do what you were taught. And that's what God's talking about in these verses. He's saying, what are you fretting for? You keep your eyes on me and watch what I'm about to do. Because we've received the first breeze. We have been promised and given the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't go away. We have tasted the power of God and he is in control because he says he's in control. It doesn't matter what it looks like. These six verses remind us that God is God and we're not. And he has the answer and his plan is being worked out. And he, these verses remind us where our focus needs to be. We need to put ourselves under the command of our creator, our God. Is it difficult? Sure, it's difficult. Only in the sense is that we have to give up control. It says, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. That's a done deal. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? It's God's plan that we don't have all the answers. He doesn't want to give us all the answers. He wants us to have hope in him. Because if he sent us a letter every day saying, this is what's going to happen, this is what you, I need you to do, it would take away our seeking of him. Because when we're on our knees, when we're seeking him, we're really looking for direction. And his direction sometimes doesn't seem to make sense. But that's how God works. And that's how our faith builds. Our hope is in eternity. And our eyes need to be focused on that we have been ad adopted into God's family forever. And in the end, it's the only thing that's going to count. We will live for eternity, and eternity has already started. We're in the midst of it. Now, it's going to change, but we are born, we die, live for Him, with Him in heaven. So it's already, the process has started. You know, salvation is not in just an event or part of a checklist. You know, okay, I got saved. Now I learned some verses, and now I can put this up on the shelf and, and, and live my life. That, that's, that's, that's not salvation. It's, it's the great thought of God and plan of God to fill our lives, to make our lives purposeful. And the journey is a done deal. It's been bought by the blood of Christ. But we're in the midst of it right now. 
I mean, Psalm 34, 8 through 10 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. That was written by a man inspired by God with all the emotions that we have. I'm sure he had bad days and good days. But he's writing these words down, inspired by God, saying this is what's important. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he's saying that out of an experience because he has tasted and he has seen that the Lord he's good is good. And he's trying to tell us, don't stop short. There's a, a, an old saying by the uh, Puritans. It says, the saints are often feeding their hopes on the carcasses of their slain fears. That's a cool statement. It's not saying that we're not going to have fears. It's going to say when we feel them, we're going to decide that something is more important than that fear, and we're going to act on it. And when we do, it grows our hope. It grows our faith. That's hope. That's the starting of hope. But the second point I want to make is he talks about perseverance. Hope is not... This thing we just set aside or feel at at, at one time, it's hope. And then he says perseverance. So by using that word, he's saying that it's going to be tough. So what? I'm bigger than tough. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we will wait eagerly for it. Perseverance. It's so much more than patience. Patience is just waiting. Patience is is sitting down to thinking, okay, God, I believe in you. Now go do what you're going to do and then come back to me when everything works well. That's patience. No, perseverance is, is movement in the midst of waiting, inspired by hope and courage, inspired by confidence in the outcome. We've been told the outcome. Do we really have confidence in that outcome? Are we willing to make decisions based on that outcome? Franklin Roosevelt said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. And that's that's what God wants us to see. I want to read you these verses. Psalm 23, or 27, 13, and 14. I would, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Those are real words written by a, a real person that was feeling these emotions. Psalm 31, 3 and 5. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net, which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord 
God of truth. That, that's so full of, 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 of anguish, different feelings, basically saying, boy, I'm surrounded by people that are going after me. I'm in a net that they've, they've, they've trapped me in this net, and, I've, and I don't know what to do. I can't get out of it. But he says, into your hand I commit my spirit because I know you're going to get me out. I can't. And it comes from the fact that, God, you've ransomed me. You've paid the price already. So I'm standing on what you have done. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. That comes from a sense of confidence. Others, if you read the psalm, I love the psalm. You read the psalms, he's, there are so many emotions through it. God, where are you? I don't feel like you're around. God, this is, this is horrible. Just kill me. But then at the end, it would always say, but you are enough for me. I wait for you. So yes, they have this emotions. And they work through it by their confidence in God. You know, the Ironman race, two and a half mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile run. No interest in doing that. None whatsoever. The maximum time allowed is 17 hours. And the record in Hawaii is just under eight hours. In eight hours. Now, do you think those athletes just decided the day before that they're going to run the Ironman? No. They placed a thought in their heads to hope that I can do this. And then they train for days and weeks and months and years. And then they did it. So it, was, it started way before the actual event. Well, spiritually, that's what God is telling us to do. To prepare yourself. You know, we, we, we fail in so many spiritual battles because we're not prepared for the spiritual battle. Yet God has given us everything we need to win the spiritual battles. And to tell you the truth, what we're in today in this world is not a political battle. It's a spiritual battle. The political can be a part of it, but it's, if we don't win the spiritual battle, then we've lost everything. If we win the spiritual battle, we won everything. And we have to look at it like that. My goodness. So it's going to take some action. And starting in verse 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. Oh, I got messed up here. Oh, there we, there we go. So you have hope, you have perseverance, you have action. And he who searches the hearts knows that the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So yes, we, we start with hope. Because of the hope, we persevere. And now he's saying, don't just sit there, do something. Now, without the Holy Spirit, if we're going to do something, we're going to mess up. I can tell you that right now. Where are you going to get so messed up? There's so many different ways we can go right now. I need to do this. Well, let's fix the education system. Let's fix the political system. Let's, let's do this. Let's do that. Well, you know what? God's going to call us in different areas. But let's get 
the foundation first. Let's, let, let's, let's not waste our time and energy fighting the wrong fight. We are the counterculture of today. You know, that I, you know my age, we, used to, we, we had to read this book called The Counterculture. It was all about the, what was happening in the 60s and, and uh, you know, the, the, just free love and free this and free la- that. And, 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 and really, the people that believed that at that time are now leading our country. I mean, they're everywhere. It's, it's our whole country has fallen into that. All right, but now we're the counterculture. We get to make the difference. And I love it. So let's get prepared. Ephesians 6 tells us how to arm ourselves. The helmet of salvation. That's thinking through these things, what they mean to us. The breastplate of righteousness. That's being protected by Christ's righteousness and what he has done. The belt of truth, the the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And pray, pray, pray. And that's where the battle really is fought initially, is on our knees. You, you, You don't put out a fire by planning for it. You put out a fire by actually putting water on the flames okay and hope is like that oh yeah i have plenty of hope but let me hide over here so i don't have to use it i don't actually have to live on it and nothing happens out here no god's saying no do it there's another puritan quote it says i would rather stand against the cannons of the wicked than against the prayers of the righteous That's the power of the spiritual battle that we're in, and that's the power that God has given us. And it's, God does miracles all the time. He hasn't run out. We read about the miracles in the Old Testament, and we think, well, yeah, gee, that was for that time. No, he's the same God, it's the same Holy Spirit. Nothing's changed. His power hasn't diminished. And he's ready and willing to do everything. I mean, just the, the, the opportunity to be, if you're on the prayer list and, and the people were prayed for, and, and I mean, God has done so many things from healing, I mean, from cancer to, to uh, something on a woman's heart, and it's gone. And it's like, oh my goodness, God is so incredible. And we never want to get complacent with that no he's working the only question is do you want to be part of it god is the only answer he's our only path we're not trying to win just to win to get some badge to get some ribbon this is winning souls this is eternal salvation we're talking about we're for our friends for our family this is a big deal. And God could do it with rocks. God can do anything. But he chose to use us because he wants us to experience his greatness. And our actions start on our knees. And how much, is, how much should we pray? You know what? When you wear out your pants on your knees, come and tell me. 
Because now you're starting to get to the point where something's going to actually happen. Because that's the power of prayer. It's, well, I can give five minutes. No, just, just pray. Just pray and listen and watch and see what God's going to do. Because God is our answer. Psalm 51, 16 and 17 gives us the real heart of God. You do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I'll give it. You're not, you aren't pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. That's what he wants. He just wants us to come before him to say, I can't do it, God. But I know you can. Now, then he says back, now I have you in a place I can really use you. And that's what I want to see. Listen to this quote that was written in the early 1900s. You think it could, be, could have been written today. Begin with the circumstances we are in, our homes, our businesses, our country, the present crisis as it touches us and others. Are these things crushing us? Are they badgering us out of the presence of God and leaving us in no time for worship? Then let us call a halt and get into such living relationship with God that our relationship to others may be maintained on the line of intercession whereby God works his marvels. I love that. Basically, get your mind off the troubles of this world. They're insurmountable. Get on your knees before God and start praying for the people around you. Early 1900s. 1800s, if you've read uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon, late 1800s, he, he was lamenting the same thing. Where's the passion for God? And now we're 120 years, 30 years later from, from when he lived, and we're saying the same thing. But God has called us to be the intercessors of today, not tomorrow, not not, not yesterday, he has called us to be in the middle of the battle right now. We are in the direct line of inheritance of the power of God. And I truly believe that, that this is going to be a Gideon moment for the church. And, and let me just tell you the story of the Gideon. You've, you've heard about it. He was called to go against uh, his enemies. I mean, there were over 120, 130 we know at least 120, 120,000 died in the first battle. So we know the enemies were at least 120,000. So Gideon puts together an army, and there's 32,000. So he's starting with four to one. All right, and what does God say? Too many. Let's send home the timid. It says, now therefore come, proclaiming in the hearing of people, saying, whoever is afraid and trembling... Let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned. So now he was left with 10,000. 10,000 against at least 120,000. 12 to 1 odds. And those were people that chose to, to leave. They decided that their trust in their God wasn't strong enough, so they'll let someone else do their battle for them. They missed out on everything entirely. But then, then what does God do? 
God says, nah, there, there's still too many. And I want you to take, uh, I lost my last page, there it is. He says, if, if you win with 10,000, you're going to think that you did it. And I'm not going to let you think that. So this is what he says in Judges 7, 4 to 5. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. He shall go with you. But every one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you. He shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. Now, these are willing people. These are the warriors. These are the ones that say, I have faith in you, God. And he said, you shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. What a bizarre criteria. But that was God's plan. With his willing army, he says, I, I'm going to send some of you home now. Not to sit on the sideline. You be right in the area with those other people that don't trust me. You tell them how much you trust me. Because the other ones didn't trust him. Willing people taken out of the battle. So now he was left with 300. 300 against 120,000 plus. Incredible. And these 300, do you, do you see them thinking, oh, well, forget it, okay, you know, um, I'm changing my mind. No, they're going, wow, this is going to be really cool. <laughs> There's 300 of us against 120,000. And they went to battle. And the battle plan wasn't like anything that they were probably thinking of at the time. I mean, it was, you know, okay, go around the camp and, and put your, 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 your torches inside the, the, uh, the big clay pots, and when I tell you, break them. That's it? That's, that's it? That's your plan? So if while they were working on the courage, God was working on the courage of these 300, he was working on the fear of his enemies. And all they needed to see and hear were 300 men smash their clay pots, yell, and put their flames up, and they folded. They were killing each other. They left. What an experience for those 300. And what did the 300 do? Then they called in everyone. says, let's chase them and get the rest. The ones that are alive, let's, let, let's not let them escape. Can you imagine... The excitement, the, the, just the, the, the feeling of faith that, my God, is so big. Look what God has done with me just because I was willing. I love that. And I think that's what God is doing to the church today. He said, who's willing? Who wants to fight for me? And you're seeing a lot of people back off. Oh, no, this, this battle's too big. I'll, I'll wait for it to be over, and then I'll decide what side I want to be on. No, I think we are part of that, and I want to be part of the 300, and I hope you do too. I don't know how God's battle plan is going to work out. I do know he has a battle plan, and I do know that God wins. And I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be one of those, oh, man, God, just give me one more chance. No, no, that's it. That's, that's a choice we have. And it's just like in this battle. It is not our number. 
It's our God that determines the victory. You know what? And we need to act like it. Hope, perseverance, action. And we get to be part of God's victory. Psalm 2, 1 through 4. I, I want to end with this because this is God's attitude about what we're seeing. Why are the nations in an uproar? And the peoples devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. And this, this is God's response. <laughs> he who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. That's how much he feels about them. He said, I got this. Do you, do you have any clue who you're fighting against? That's the God we serve. And that's the attitude we need. And to see this church alive and just doing things because of that hope, because we're going through this saying, I, I just want to be one of the 300. I want to be pushed out there. I know there's going to be so many creative ideas and things that come out of this because that's how God works. It's not through the pastors. There was, there was one Gideon. He had 300 soldiers. It was through the 300 soldiers. And that's what God's going to do now. And I hope we all want to be part of that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I know you're going to do some mighty things you have already done. You do it every day, and we miss it. I don't want to miss anything you're doing. And I pray, God, that you would encourage us, that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to live out our faith, live out our hope. And thank you so much, God. Never abandon us. Thank you for winning the war.